Hello fellow travelers and welcome to Adventures in Security, episode 10 for January 22nd, 2006. I'm your host, Tom Olzak. This is a weekly podcast published each Sunday evening sometime before midnight. You can also find most of the information covered in our episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like us to talk about, please send email to podcasts at adventuresinsecurity.com. The purpose of this podcast is the exploration of security management, including the crazy things people try to do to each other and to themselves. Again, welcome to Adventures in Security. The featured topic this week is blended threats. And uh, before we get to that, we're going to talk about how malware defense is uh, changing, uh, whether or not we're we're uh, winning the battle against the attackers, and we're going to talk about RSS security. But first, we're going to look at a vulnerability that was announced this week that has to do with Windows uh, XP and wireless networking. A vulnerability has been found in laptops with built-in wireless capabilities running Microsoft Windows XP in 2000. Anyone with a little knowledge about wireless peer-to-peer networking can gain access to your wireless-enabled laptop. In a security fix posting of January 14th, Brian Krebs wrote about a flaw that was announced at ShmooCon. ShmooCon is an event at which hackers get together to share. Well, Mark Loveless, a hacker of some repute, reported that a laptop that has an active wireless connection is vulnerable to attack by another wireless system user. This is how it works. When a user powers on his laptop, it looks for a network to connect to and from which it can obtain an IP address. If it can't find one, Windows XP and 2000 automatically assign a default address in the range 169.254.x.y. This is a well-known default address range built into these two operating systems. This occurs for each network connection enabled on the laptop, including wireless. Windows assigns a default IP address to the last wireless connection made. The laptop then begins broadcasting the presence of that connection. Any wireless device within a short distance of the broadcasting device can identify and connect to the laptop to create a peer-to-peer network. The broadcast distance depends on several factors like walls, amount of broadcast interference from lighting and other electronic devices. However, it's far enough to provide easy access to your laptop. When a potential hacker sees that his laptop has detected the vulnerable laptop, all he has to do is tell us the system to connect. Then while the unsuspecting user is viewing his calendar for the day, the hacker is potentially browsing his hard drive. Microsoft is aware of this problem. They say it will be addressed in Service Pack 3 for Windows XP. Until SP3's release, here are some things you can do to protect your laptop users. First, educate your users about the risks involved with not safeguarding their laptops from a peer-to-peer attack. Second, make sure each laptop is running a firewall. This will help prevent unwanted access. Third, Ask your users to disable their wireless connections when not in use. Some laptops today come with convenient buttons to switch wireless on and off. And finally, 
Configure laptop wireless connections to connect to access point networks only. Instructions on how to do this are on the security links page at adventuresinsecurity.com. In the world of malware defense, Eugene Kaspersky, head of Kaspersky Labs, has stated that software companies are losing the war against malware. Kaspersky Labs receives 200 to 300 new malware samples each day. They and other anti-malware vendors are always running to catch up with the Internet attackers. Kaspersky makes an excellent point. Security professionals will always be in reaction mode if we only use products that prevent known attacks. It's imperative that we start taking a more proactive stance. No one protective technology can provide all the safeguards necessary to protect our PCs and networks. A layered, defense-in-depth model is the only protection against the dark side of the Internet. A layered end-user device defense today consists of antivirus software, anti-spyware software, host-based intrusion prevention software, and a personal firewall. Several companies are combining these products into overall protection suites. Although the cost of these combined solutions might be more than a simple antivirus solution, the cost of identity theft or complete system meltdown can be much higher. In addition to cost, there are often performance issues related to installing all these solutions on an end-user device. Each of them requires memory and processor time. Unless a business is willing to replace every desktop and laptop as part of a protection suite rollout, users will probably experience a drop in performance, which usually equates to an equal drop in productivity. Many users and some managers might see this as a reason to turn off all or parts of the production suite, exposing not only the unprotected workstation, but also your entire network. To guard against this kind of activity, protection suites should be centrally managed and configuration parameters automatically enforced. As IT equipment is replaced through attrition, IT departments should purchase new end-user devices that will perform as required by end-users with a protection suite installed. Now I'd like to discuss something that's close to all of us, and that's RSS security. As users opt to pull information via XML and HTTP rather than wait for delivery over a message protocol like SMTP, RSS, or really simple syndication, is growing rapidly. Its popularity has prompted Microsoft to integrate RSS into Internet Explorer 7 and the Windows Longhorn series of products, which includes Vista. As it becomes a communication medium of choice for aggregating information, attackers will begin to take increased interest in leveraging RSS as an attack vector. Some of the threats associated with RSS include attacks against media software through the use of multimedia files, these include podcasts. Recent exploits of multimedia weaknesses, like the WMF vulnerability, are just the beginning. Another potential threat is the execution of programs or the automatic download of infected files made available through a link contained in the RSS feed. The problem is not with just with the technology. A lack of user awareness of the dangers associated with RSS feeds is a bigger vulnerability. Like with any other security issue, end-users must be taught how to safely handle files and links delivered through interactive, near-real-time tools. This lack of awareness, unfiltered, unmanaged RSS services, and a determined host of hackers spell trouble for your network. 
Protecting yourself from RSS vulnerabilities and threats consists of several options. First, you can completely block RSS use from within your company network. This is most easily accomplished by implementing intrusion prevention at the perimeter. You can configure IPS to prevent RSS formatted XML or HTTP packets. This solution, like blocking instant messaging, might not be too popular. Further, there might be a business need. A second solution includes filtering the RSS feeds to remove prohibited or malicious content. And finally, you can use an RSS engine that prompts your users before they download anything. This goes hand-in-hand with user awareness training. Whatever you choose to do, you need to address the future of RSS within your organization. Now let's move to our feature topic, Blended Threats. We've talked a little about blended security threats in previous episodes, but we never spent any real time exploring what a blended threat is and how it can increase the business impact of a malware attack. Let's take a moment to define the term blended threat. According to McAfee, a blended threat combines the traditional malice-borne viruses with new network-based capabilities that quickly seek and find security vulnerabilities across the enterprise network spawning further destruction, such as denial-of-service attacks, crashed servers, and vulnerability at the core or root of computers. Breaking McAfee's definition into simpler terms, blended threats don't just look for and exploit a single vulnerability. Rather, once a blended threat agent takes up residence on your network, it looks for multiple vulnerabilities. If it can't spread via one weakness, it keeps looking until it finds a weakness it can exploit. NIMDA is an example of a blended threat. It infected web pages. It infected files by appending itself to executables. It converted C and D drives to open, accessible, shared resources. It set itself up to auto-start when the infected PC was rebooted. And finally, it was capable of exploiting backdoors left behind by earlier malware, like Code Red. The multiple vulnerability exploitation capabilities of this kind of malware allows the effects of attacks to spread across the internet and across your network much faster than traditional viruses and worms. They can also result in greater business loss. Code Red was responsible for approximately $2.6 billion in business loss, and MyDoom was responsible for about $4 billion. The speed of infection is so fast that reactive malware defense measures are not sufficient to protect your business from a large or crippling impact when a blended threat pays you a visit. And the ways malware can penetrate your network defenses are increasing. Use of tools like instant messaging, RSS, and collaboration portals, which tend to combine multiple internet communication media, is growing faster than we can throw up new defenses to deal with the new network exposures. As internet security experts continue to predict an increase in blended threat frequency, complexity, and severity, what can you as a manager do to protect your information assets? First, your defense must shift from reactive to proactive. Today's blended threats move too quickly to rely on quick response to protect your information assets from significant downtime. Ensure the creation of policies, standards, and guidelines for acceptable use of company-owned equipment and the internet. Initiate an aggressive security awareness program to ensure each employee understands the proper use of network devices, as well as what kinds of system behavior to report as a possible malware infection. Next, take an integrative approach. 
Don't create islands of protection. For example, desktop defense should be integrated into local area network defense, which in turn should be integrated into an enterprise-wide, centrally managed defense infrastructure. Let's take a look at what might exist at each layer. A minimum desktop configuration includes antivirus, anti-spyware, and personal firewall software. I intentionally left host-based IPS off the list. Until it matures, this technology shouldn't be relied on too heavily to protect your network. All desktop defense configurations are managed from a central console. Configuration changes made by end users are automatically reset to parameters that conform to organizational policies and standards. Servers should mirror desktops except for personal firewalls. Instead, secure subnets created with routers, switches, firewalls, and network-based intrusion protection appliances should be created within your data center and at your remote sites. Another activity you should start within your organization to protect against blended threats is threat modeling. You should perform threat modeling on existing, new, or upgraded systems and system designs. Threat modeling can help you understand your network vulnerabilities as an attacker might see them. It consists of three high-level steps. Understanding the adversary's view, characterizing the security of the system, and determining threats. More information on this topic can be found by clicking on the Microsoft Threat Modeling link on the Security Links page at adventuresinsecurity.com. You should also enforce effective password processes. Train users to create passwords that are easy to remember, yet hard to guess. Easy-to-guess passwords are an open door to a highly motivated attacker. One way to get around the easy-to-guess password problem is to train your users to be creative when selecting a strong string of passwords that allows them to access your information assets. For example, never use a word found in a dictionary. Instead, write down an easy-to-remember sentence, use the first letter of each word, and randomly make some of the letters uppercase and some lower. Also, convert certain letters to numbers. For example, an I could be a 1, or an E might end up as a 3. Having a good password isn't enough, however. The password must be changed at each 30 to 90 days. Passwords inadvertently get out over time. This happens because users share passwords when under pressure. Shoulder surfing is another hard-to-detect crime and an easy way to obtain someone's password. And finally, password cracking software is easy to obtain and use. It doesn't matter what password guidance your employees receive. Just make it easy to understand, an effective safeguard for your network, and provide it to them whenever the opportunity arises. Next, keep systems up to date with their security patches. Properly patched systems are a poor target for blended threats. In a properly patched network environment, malware is either unable to obtain a foothold or its rate of infection is so slow that response teams can easily contain and eradicate it without significant business impact. Regularly monitor your network as well. Engineers familiar with your network are the best candidates to perform this task. Short of having a vendor supplied signature for every form of attack, there is only one way to identify an infected network. Anomaly Analysis Anomaly analysis consists of using network monitoring tools to collect information about network behavior, unexplained changes in server or desktop performance, network throughput, or traffic patterns is a good indication that there is an uninvited guest using network resources. This approach is called network anomaly analysis.
Another kind of anomaly analysis looks at network packets to see if the structure of each packet matches the protocol used. If not, the scanning device, usually a firewall or intrusion detection prevention monitor, can either alert the proper IT personnel or automatically block the suspect traffic. Blended threats are not going away. They will only become more prevalent. Solutions for dealing with this new generation of network attacks must be layered and integrated into a centrally managed proactive intrusion defense system. Well, that's it for this week. I hope the time we spent together helps to strengthen your network against the dark side of the Internet. Until next time, be careful what you click.